This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your podcast that did not come out on Monday, but today is Wednesday, so it did come out. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and with me today is my guest, Daniel Goodman. Hello. Thrilled to be here. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm truly great. Do you ever think about the fact that you could get the words Goodman with an exclamation point tattooed on your knuckles? Wow. I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) And for the viewers at home, I literally took my knuckles and I looked at them and went, oh my God. (laughs) That's, yes, I should do that. I think my father will be proud. (laughs) (laughs) And our producer is Sophie. Yay. How are you, Sophie? Swell. Did you know that Anderson would fit on your knuckles? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, it's so cool. That's I do. I do. So I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, I would want an Anderson tattoo. But I've thought about it so much that like, I don't know how to pick what that would be. That would be like really capture her essence. Mm -hmm. She's so perfect. I know. That's true. I don't know what I would... I'm like every now and then, I might get like Rintra's paw print or something cheesy like that, you know? No, that's so cool. That's fun. Yeah. Rintra turns me into like a Disney mom. I got advertised on Instagram this like fucking like your dog's face on a Hawaiian shirt. I hate Hawaiian shirts. I have like only once in my life as an adult worn a Hawaiian shirt and it was because I I really didn't want to. (laughs) But I was like, oh, what if I had Rintra? <laughs> what if I had whatever? Though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while, like we're, while we're recording this, not only is mm-hmm. Anderson right next to me, but I can physically see behind me multiple photos or huge portraits <laughs> of Anderson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of Anderson in the background. And yeah. an axe on display. Oh, that's from Robert. Robert got me a really cool axe. Of course. It of is course. a cool axe. It is yeah. a very cool axe. Oh, I will... Uh, um, I am currently kickstarting a table. Actually, it's that it was last week. Well, you can buy it. You can buy it afterwards. We'll still there sell we it to you. Yeah. But 
uh, the artist is putting a lot of us as cameos, like using us as models for different characters and stuff in the book. And oh, the cool. occultist has like a spectral familiar. So she drew me with Rintra as a, a spectral Rintra. That is fucking well, cool. Well, Rintra is like, that's awesome. okay, if you haven't seen what Rintra magpie's dog looks like, mm-hmm. listeners, Rintra is so handsome. It's ridiculous. <laughs> He's so beautiful. Yeah, that's Aww. why he gets away with a lot. I miss him. Speaking of handsome people who are going to get away with a lot, Ian, no, we're not. Okay, um, our, <laughs> <laughs> our audio engineer is Ian. Yeah. Our, our, our theme music was written for us by Unwoman. And this yeah. week is part three of our three-parter on STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and the Gay Liberation Front. We talked last week about the U.S. Gay Liberation Front and STAR, but today we're going over to that land of fantasy and whimsy, the land most commonly known today as Turf Island, (laughs) which wasn't always Turf Island. And to be fair, still isn't actually Turf Island. There are countless trans people and trans-accepting people living in the United Kingdom. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, James Stout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he doesn't ref- live there right now. Yeah, a refugee from Turf Island. Indeed, um, indeed. For anyone who's not caught up, there's just a lot more um, anti-trans activism. Anti-trans activism is very visible in the United Kingdom, but there's also an incredible amount of work by trans people and their allies um, fighting there. Okay, so one person who spent some time protesting the Women's House of Detention in Manhattan was a guy named Bob Mellers, who was a young gay British student. He was impressed by what he saw. What he saw was gay and political, so he was like, that rules, sign me up. Then, he went to the Black Panthers Revolutionaries People Constitutional Convention in 1970 in Philadelphia, uh, which I didn't talk about in the earlier episode, but I'll talk about now. And he was even more impressed when he saw this, which was a Revolutionary People's Constitutional Convention, where everyone came together and had a huge new left conference. And he was like, so the GLF is gay, political, and part of a huge, powerful intersectional movement that is gay accepting. I very accept, very into this. He's double mm. signed me up. Uh, Super this, up. Yeah, this is the convention where Huey P. Huey P. Newton from the Black Panthers came out swinging for gay rights and said that queer people are among the most oppressed people in the world and are part of the revolution. And at it, there was the male homosexual workshop where they worked up a statement of like the rights that they were demanding. This is a big part of the GLF's rights that they demanded. And the basic idea was gay rights are part of the worldwide revolutionary struggle. And they had this, this banger slogan. No revolution without us. An army of lovers cannot lose. All power to the people. Wow. Have you ever heard an army of lovers cannot lose before? I hadn't. That's, no. That's, wow. So, I, go ahead. It's, we, we have, this is just a, this whole series has been yeah. a, a, just an explosion of awesome sayings that yeah. should live forever and allowed this podcast, this series, I mean, literally the entire <laughs> podcast to be a series of awesome sayings to live by and to hold on to truly forever. Yeah. Dude, everything's been great. And this particular one, mm-hmm. it's like 3000 years old as a gay thing. What? So Whoa. some Greek philosophers, uh, maybe 2300 years old, some Greek philosophers <laughs> made up made the argument that a division entirely of male lovers could conquer the world. And awesome. Not very not long wrong. after that. <laughs> yeah. Not that very long after that, the sacred band of Thebes formed. 
Um, huh. This is a division of 300 men paired off into 150 same-sex couples. And they were like the spec ops of their army. This is the mid-300s BC. Wow. These are the people who crushed Sparta. No way. Yeah. And like, Oh, my God. I'm That's sure. That's so cool. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah. I'm sure they were like messy and bad in some way. I didn't do enough research. But like right-wing fucks love being like, yeah, Sparta, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know who fucking beat them? Teams of gay male lovers. Teams of gay males. I love that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. An army of lovers cannot lose. An army of lovers. So the manifesto that they came up with out of that conference that the gay male organization came up with included demands for the right to be publicly gay at any time. And also importantly, the right to transness, both the right to change one's gender expression and also the right to change one's body. They were like part of our demands for a revolutionary society is free access to trans like gender affirming care. And this is like 1970. This was widely agreed upon within the gay liberation front, except there were proto-TERFs. For anyone who lives under the rock that I wish I lived under, but don't, uh, TERF is trans-exclusionary radical feminist. It's this argument against uh, transness from a ostensibly feminist position. And so the proto-TERFs, a Marxist collective called Red Butterfly, issued a critique saying people shouldn't mutilate their bodies and that also that people shouldn't act gay because acting gay plays into the stereotypes, like like acting effeminate or whatever is like mm. bad and you're like helping the other side if you are a hairdresser and talk with a lisp right. or like whatever right. fucking thing you actually feel like doing. People should, God forbid people just do whatever the fuck they want, like with their own Truly. bodies and like how they carry themselves and talk. The red butterfly, the, the, the this particular collective or, or cell within it they were roundly denounced and they ended up actually leaving the movement. They, you know, they'd been like kind of contentious and people were disagreeing with them. But basically when they were like, when this manifesto came out and they were like, wrote a critique of it and were like, no, don't mutilate your bodies and don't act gay and blah, blah, blah. People were like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And they wrote a bunch of statements about how bad it was that no one would let them chastise everyone for wanting bodily autonomy. Um, They were really upset that they weren't in charge of the movement. They're one of the main people I found critiques of about the structure, the structuralist structure. And it's, I think, because they didn't get their way because people were autonomous. Mm. But that's the US. We're supposed to be talking about England now because the GLF is going to England like like a a sequel, you know. (laughs) It's like the it's like Mary Kay and Ashley, the Olsen twins. The Olsen twins take the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. England was kind of around the same place about gay stuff as the U.S. was at this, as best as I can figure, um, which is, you know, things were starting to change, but kind of slowly. And there was the Wolfenden Report in 1957 that was the result of a government commission of the same name. And the, this commission met for 62 days and they interviewed people about prostitution and gay sex. Since they were British and there were women in the room, they used code words instead of homosexual or prostitute. They named it after a cookie manufacturer, or biscuits, if you're speaking the old tongue. There we go. Huntley and Palmer's is some brand <laughs> of, of cookies. Oh, wow. So homosexuals were called Huntleys in this serious government investigation of people's rights. Cool. And prostitutes were Palmer's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end, Great. they released the report, which was like, gays, yes, sex workers, no. Boo. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In 19, and they did. In 1959, they passed a law increasingly fucking over sex workers. 
And then it took until 1967 for them to act on the fine, yes, consenting adult men can bone. Yay. Yeah. But it wasn't like magically good there. Uh, Not just because gay rights have always been intertwined with sex workers' rights and it's a massive loss. But the gay scene included cruising spots in public laboratories and back rooms of bars since they couldn't meet in the open, even though it was like ostensibly legal now. Mm -hmm. Um, People were still getting beaten, fired, and generally treated like shit. And the main group fighting for rights there was the assimilationists, but I'm not even here to talk shit on them. They just happened. That's, they're a, a, you know, a plainer organization, a less radical sure. organization called Campaign for Homosexual Equality. Um, they were probably fine. I didn't, I didn't read much about them. Mm-hmm. But on October 13th, 1970, 19 people met in the London School of Economics and Political Science, the LSE, where Bob Mellor was a student, the guy who had come over from the US. I think there was another one, um, another British person who had been at the convention in Philly. And they formed the UK Gay Liberation Front. I read one source that says they were mostly anarchists and another source that they were mostly Marxists. I'm guessing they're a mix of both. And like a lot of the new left, not specifically committed to one or the other of these categories. Ironically, usually if I read a they were mostly anarchists thing, it's mm-hmm. because an anarchist wrote it. Mm. Um, and if I read they were mostly Marxists, it's a Marxist right. source. Marxist, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not what happens in this case. In this oh. case, it's a former member who wound up in the Green Party who puts anarchists first in the list of people who were there. Um, and it's a woman who wound up an anti-trans activist and pretty conservative who said they were all Marxists. So, huh. like, I don't know. Later, there's going to be a bunch of Marxist-anarchist divides. It's fucking lefties. They're mostly working mm-hmm. class. Some are middle class. Mm-hmm. I think the UK Gay Liberation Front overall was less like we are the revolution than the US one. Um, It was slightly more single issue, but not really. Um, It started to be like, we are the revolution. This is, you know, we're going to overthrow global capitalist imperialism or whatever. Um, The founders were very ideological, but soon just a lot of non-political queers showed up and got involved. And this didn't water it down. It just changed its focus to be slightly more single issue. But they stayed involved in labor issues, women's rights, Irish liberation, and black liberation struggles. Because they did all the cool things. The London group's first protest was in November 1970. 150 queers with balloons and flares and fireworks, so not, not rowdy, showed up to protest the arrest of this straight man named Louis Eakes, who was a prominent liberal activist who had been convicted of cruising, aka going to a place where gay men for look for other gay men to have consensual sex with. Okay. He wasn't even doing it. They basically, this is a thing that happens all throughout. Whenever gay, whenever homosexuality is illegal, you can just call anyone gay and arrest them. This happened in the Soviet Union. This happened in Nazi Germany. And this happened in the United States. So have a political shit. enemy. Yeah. It's bullshit. If there's something that is like, you can't fucking prove that you can decide someone's guilty of. Right. Um, people will do it. Um, and so this was a targeted arrest. Basically, they were like, we kind of hate this guy. He's an activist. And he happened to, they were like, haha, we caught him in the park where some gay people are also. Um, and the GLF didn't pick this case because they were like, oh no, won't someone think of the straights? But because they knew that laws against cruising were used for oppression of everyone and that all of our struggles are linked. And this is not only the, GLF's first protest, but at least according to one source I read, this is the first public demonstration in the UK by lesbians and gay men. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And I, 
I didn't find counter or the is this is the kind of thing I like the reason I say it skeptically is that like this happens a lot when I'm reading history and they're like this is the first time and I like dear Google what was the first time and I find yeah, something exactly, like 300 yeah, exactly. years earlier there yeah you go. yeah exactly the UK GLF's main issues were the same as the GLF everywhere they wanted to stop getting murdered uh, they wanted to stop getting fired and evicted they wanted to stop being labeled as sick by doctors and then also the laws legalizing homosexuality said that gay men the age of consent for gay men was 21 where straight people were allowed to fuck each other at 16. So like, and this isn't just like under versus over gay men are not allowed to fuck legally until they're 21. Like not even other, huh. you know, two 18 year olds. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And specifically, and this is important in an era of groomer panic, like we live in now, it was the youth group, which was only for members under the age of 21 who fought to lower the age of consent. Hmm. So it wasn't like 40 year olds writing to. Right, right. It was, it was consenting youths wanting to not get arrested for engaging in intercourse. Yeah. I feel like I have to like cover that so much, partly because it's like, well, I mean, people just call LGBT people groomers all the time and it's just like fucking nonsense. Um, But it, it's like worth pointing out that that is something that they were like paying attention to and working at at different times. Totally. Totally. So they had weekly meetings, the GLF with hundreds of members, thousands all told were involved, but most people would show up. They'd like go to London from whatever town they're in and they'd go. And then they'd be like, man, I'm going home and starting this. And so they start new chapters all over the country mm-hmm. and members all wear GLF badges. It's like the kind of like almost like the rule of membership is you wear the badge because the whole point is to be out and proud. I think like more than anything else, the GLF is just like when in the US and the UK people came out of the closet, like in mass, they threw dances. Uh, they had gay days in the park where they had big public kiss-ins and spin the bottle games. Hell yeah. Yeah. We, we it, love a kiss in. I know. And it, the photos of it just rule. It's just <laughs> these like happy hippies in the park, like kissing each other while like everyone's smiling. It, that fucking really yeah that sounds great <laughs> they made a newsletter called come together nice at one point cops told a bunch of bars or pubs in the old mm. tongue <laughs> uh <laughs> thanks um to refuse service to anyone wearing a glf pin and the bars agreed they're like all right whatever we don't oh, serve the poofs that. anyway or whatever so the queers oh. did sit-ins and the bars relented mm. yeah nice okay well that feels like almost, I mean, yeah. good for the bars for relenting. I know. It almost feels like rainbow capitalism, where it's like, damn, we could have your money. Maybe we I know. should. Totally. Yeah. But it's also like, the pub is like such an important social center for completely the community. Yes. But like, no, I, I yeah, I, I feel you on that. It's like. It's, it's a good and a bad. It's a give and a take. Yeah. Yeah. We're still glad they did it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. It's better than them being like, no, we're sticking yeah, to our exactly. guns. No, we'll lose money. Gladly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, I mean, it's just like the shit now, right? I'm like, yeah. I've never been like, hooray, Target's getting all the gay yes, money. Exactly. And then I'm like, yeah, but giving in to the right wing against Yeah. It, that's even Don't worse. Do Don't do that. Yeah. Ugh. And so, okay, there's this book that came out at the time as a pop science, pop sexuality book called Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. Hmm. 
and it was full of disinfo uh and it was like totally homophobic it had the the articles about like gay men basically was like gay men just like sticking vegetables up their buttholes (laughs) um yeah cool (laughs) so so the glf shut down bookstores that carried it uh and like picketed the publisher i think they also fought same as in the u.s the against like the psychiatric organizations that were claiming they were sick in particular they disrupted a lecture by a man who advocated electroshock therapy to cure homosexuality fuck that chapters sprung up in a whole bunch of other cities with fake sounding uk names i i only wrote down notting hill as an example but it turns out notting hill is not a city it's a neighborhood in london Mm, it is correct yeah yeah, it's probably over by Cockfosters. So that's my best guess. There you go. <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one more stop down the tube. You're right there. Yeah. Um, they were radically democratic. There, there were three rules for joining the steering committees, the steering mm. committee. One, no one could serve on the steering committee for more than two months. Two, heterosexuals could not serve on the steering committee. And three, no one could serve on the office collective for more than three months, which was a separate kind of the administrative side that handled the money and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the second one was because there's actually a ton of straight members of the GLF doing all kinds of work. They weren't the majority by any stretch and they weren't allowed to lead. And this was mostly like straight, like political types. Like I think old activists and Marxists who like came to help out. Mm. And one of the original members of Monty Python, Graham Chapman. Oh, is already famous as shit at this point, mm-hmm. And he joins the GLF. Nice. And he gives it a lot of money. Nice. This is, yeah, this is King Arthur for Monty Python, for Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Brian from Life of Brian, aka oh, yeah. the most important actor to my young sense of humor. <laughs> I love that he was gay, and he was one of the first UK celebrities to come out. And so they got money from him, but overall they were working class radicals, and the moneyed gays didn't want anything to do with them because they were, you know, disrupting the everything that. They people the assimilation that people have been building for uh, when they marched with the broader left sometimes they're treated like shit in Northern Ireland they they marched against the internment of Irish independence activists or maybe they marched in England about the in, internment of Irish independence activists in Northern Ireland I don't know but then like there and also at trade union marches they had to like go to the back of the march um, because they didn't want they were like oh you can be here and show your support but we don't right. want people we don't want those to be the pictures we don't want you front and center yeah yeah the women's group forced their way into the women's liberation movement uh, who kept saying shit like you're a bourgeois deviation to them. Imagine saying that to someone like, could you imagine going to someone and being like, Oh, I, I'd really like to let you in, but you're a bourgeois deviation. <laughs> I'd, um, I would bust out my, I would bust out my, my silk, uh, my, my silk glove and slap them across the face immediately. Basically. <laughs> at one conference after being told shit like that glf women stole the microphone and led a revolt tight because Hell yeah yeah as per usual it was actually the organized the organizers the self-styled leaders of women's mm-hmm. liberation mm-hmm. who were being shitty when they like grabbed the mic and like they're not letting us come in just because we like scissoring or whatever <laughs> um the the rank and file were totally chill about it and after that the conference accepted lesbianism nice yeah great their biggest action, well, their biggest action certainly wasn't buying, no, it oh. probably was. They love buying stuff. Like I did, didn't even see it coming. Yeah, 
Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> Here's the stuff. Ads. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. We're back. Okay, so their biggest action, besides goods and services, Mm. um, the most impactful action, at least, was their disruption of what was called the Nationwide Festival of Light. In 1971. Okay. And this was this huge conservative evangelical uh, Christian gathering and like movement Mm -hmm. that they wanted to do something about the moral decline of Britain or whatever the fuck as if Britain wasn't one of the most immoral things that's ever happened on the face of the earth. They wanted to recriminalize homosexuality. They wanted to put women back in their place. No more abortion. Lock up sex workers. Make sure that no one saw any like titties or dicks in print. No titties, no dicks. Yeah. And uh, what a miserable life. I know. I know. Certainly not someone with both. Um, and so, <laughs> so there's this whole thing, this huge thing. And they're trying to gather our steam to, to, oh, it's the kind of thing that we happens all the time now too. And the action against this, they called their action zaps. So the zap against it, because they're hippies was funded by the Monty Python guy. Nice. And they came up with literally 17 different disruption plans in case some of them failed, because most of okay. them failed, right? Because you're you're trying to attack this very large gathering, be very disruptive. Yeah. So, 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 so it's a wide strategy. Yeah. 
some of the ones that worked, a lot of them worked. Okay. A bunch of gay men and women dressed as nuns with the nun <laughs> outfits bought by the Monty Python guy uh, started walking down the hall solemnly and then did the fucking can-can. Perfect. <laughs> and they were... That is extremely Monty Python. <laughs> I know. This entire thing I'm describing is just a Monty Python sketch that happened in real life that disrupted Perfect. and possibly stopped evangelical organizing in, in the UK. That. That's so good. Um, That's so good. And the can-can dancers were beaten up for this, uh, but the disruption was made. And honestly, we've talked about this before in other episodes, sometimes going into the thing and getting beaten up is a... It's good press, and it is a disruption. It is a disruption. Same-sex couples stood up and started kissing. They had all, like, tried to get in, but they were, like, carefully filtering through who could get in or whatever. That's, like, sure. part of why the nuns got in, actually. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the youth group dropped a banner from the balcony, and then they released mice into the crowd. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just fucked cool. tons of mites. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> A man stood up as like dressed like a bishop, maybe or something. I'm not sure. He gave a sermon asking people to keep on sinning. And and then they turned off at least half the lights in the building. And there's two stories about how this could have happened. One is that both are great. I don't care which one's real. One is that a group of, quote, butch men strong armed their way into the church basement and turned off half the lights, which I also love. Right. Because people are like, oh, you gays are sissy and sissies. I'm like, man, have you seen some of these gay men? Like, (laughs) um, the other way that it could have happened is one man pretended to be in charge and walked into the basement and ordered all the staff out and then turned off all the lights. Ah, there you go. Either way, fucking great. The Guardian yeah. headline was Darkness at the Festival of Light. <laughs> That's a good headline. Yeah. That's a good headline. And that group, the Festival of Light, this huge gathering of all these different evangelical denominations and shit, they never got anywhere. I've heard two versions of why. One is that they were a laughing stock because of like dancing nuns and mice and shit. Mm. Uh, and that the GLF specifically put them into the ground. That version's great. The other version is fine too. They just didn't get any traction because people in England were like, actually, we're, we're okay with having sex and gayness is part of our culture and fuck off. It's just part of what it is. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, li- I, like, the, I like the unpopular opinion just didn't have legs. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. And it was like, and people just were like, nah, if you do this, we're going to make fun of you. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's going to be dancing nuns. Like, the most popular theater troupe in our fucking country. So in 1972, uh, the GLF organized the first gay pride march in the UK. And they had banners like, homosexuals are nature's children, and gay is proud. One sick protest sign they used, maybe a lot, I think this is like one of their slogans, is, man is woman is people, the state makes us all angry. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and we'll actually talk about why the word angry is loaded in a moment. Um, and so I often say things like cops don't belong at pride, but that is ahistorical. There were cops at the UK pride parade. There were so many cops. In fact, there was 2000 cops to 1000 marchers. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Overkill, but not surprised for the cops. Yeah. So, really, cops have been part of Pride since the beginning as the enemy. Um, Their campaign against homosexuality as a disorder won, similar as it won in the U.S. And the the London GLF had some overlap with a group I keep hinting at covering in other episodes called the Angry Brigade. Mm -hmm. Um, See our episode about people who tried to blow up Franco from a couple weeks ago. 
And the Angry Brigade, 1970 or so, was an anarchist direct action group who blew stuff up and never killed anyone. They hated the state. The state hated them right back. Fair enough. Theoretically, this is why London police developed the bomb squad. This does not make sense to me because the IRA is right the fuck there. Mm. Um, Angry Brigade never killed anyone. IRA? Can't say that. Yep. Nope. Nope. They definitely killed some people. Yeah. Many of whom probably deserved it. Many of whom probably didn't. Yes. Anyway. That's the thing about things like explosions. They don't always... They're, yeah. they're not particular. Explosions no. are not particular. No, they are not. And actually, the Angry Brigade specifically had like rules about, and they, they would say this publicly, they had mm-hmm. rules about like how much, I don't remember what explosive they used, mm-hmm. um, how much explosives they would use in their bombs because they were specifically trying to make the point that they were not trying to kill anyone. Um, and that it was That's like nice. disruption things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they did at some point injure someone. Um, and so... So the state comes after the Angry Brigade, but at the same time, they come after the GLF in the same way, um, Mm -hmm. basically collectively. Gay spaces are raided whenever they come after the counterculture. And to be fair, there was a lot of overlap between these two groups. Yeah. One underground newspaper had the tagline, gay is good, gay is angry, a not subtle reference to gay support for the Angry Brigade. And probably man is woman is people, the state makes us all angry is also probably a reference to this. By 1972, the UK GLF is starting to show some cracks. People refer to their paper not as come together, but as fall apart at this point. And the central issue, I'm a little bit like, again, I read like five different accounts of the central issue Mm -hmm. that split it apart. All of them disagree about the particulars, but this is the best Mm -hmm. I can figure. Okay, after doing this show for so long, I get kind of grouchy at history podcasts that are like, and this is the way it happened. And I'm like... How can you be sure? <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I guess it makes sense to come in with an authoritative voice and be like, "This yeah. is what happened." But yeah. like, all I keep running across is that like, like, there's some stuff where you can be like, "Look, on this such and such date, the following thing blew up, or so and so died, or whatever." But like, anyway, whatever. Why the GLF split apart? Mm-hmm. The central issue is that you had the queers who wanted what was in their manifesto, a radical transformation of society, and you had what were called the straight gays who just wanted to be gay. So that you had the be gay, do crime versus the be gay, no crime. And women eventually also split off um, in particular because the straight gay men didn't want to challenge sexism uh, because part of the like radical transformation of society was like, we are going to destroy patriarchy. Right. And so the gay men were very, they at least claimed to be very invested in undoing their own like um, male socialization and their own like, dominance patterns and stuff like that right but a lot of women were like we're getting talked over at meetings and being treated like shit we're going we're we're going our own way mm-hmm. and the straight gay men in particular were were part of that the straight gays split off after that and starting this this thing called gay news um and their editorial was basically how they should save the nation from the screaming red queens and the faggots of gay lib it's more of that same like the don't act effeminate, don't rock the boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big fan of this part of it. You can probably figure that out. Yeah. And we're going to see some echoes of this later in the way that some gay activists in the UK went hard anti-trans uh, decades later. So Gay News took over the GLF office and they had access to the money and information services. Like, I think you could call a number and be like, hey, when's the next meeting? 
And so they just stopped giving information out about meetings. Uh-huh. And in general, this is seen as sort of a coup against the gay liberation front. This is probably a bias take. Mm, uh, it's probably more complicated than what I read. Right. But that's the best I can figure. All the while, the Maoists in the organization were mad that it wasn't going their way. And so they started messing things up. Uh, I actually think that they were also the straight gays running the office based on some reflections I read about what's going to happen. So you have this coup. They've taken over the office. The straight gays have. So in October 1973, a bunch of anarchist drag queens from a collective called the Bethnal Rouge Bookshop Collective raided the office and stole back the files for the GLF. Uh, This led to a physical fight. The queens won and got the files. One participant whose account I read was like, I punched that old tanky. (laughs) Which is really funny to me because tanky is this very modern word for, it's a pejorative word for an authoritarian communist. Right. But back in 1970, it was like the only people who use this word were lefties in in Britain. Huh. That's so funny. Yeah, because it comes from like Trotskyist versus uh, Stalinist infighting. I don't know if that's really infighting, but anyway, after this, gay news starts calling, saying drag queens are all violent and bad, and it calls them like fascists in dresses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, 2023. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the broader GLF supported the queens over the straight gays. Mm -hmm. And the drag queens, who are mostly men, as understood at this time, Their opponents called them radical feminists. This is the one that's like a little weird split from now. Um, Because they were too radical and they cared too much about stopping patriarchy, they were the radical feminists. They were the radical feminists? Yeah. (laughs) Whereas now a lot of anti-trans people call themselves radical feminists. Right, right. Yeah, it's all wacky. The drag culture, and their drag culture is actually different than U.S. drag culture. And even I think different than the U.K.'s larger drag culture it actually grew out organically from the GLF in a different way. Um, Michael James, a participant, put it this way, quote, It started with jalabas and kaftans and long hair and flowers. Then we discovered glitter, then nail varnish. Later, some of us, a quarter of the men, I'd say, at some time or another, would get a nice new frock for, for the next gay lib dance. Then a few people began to wearing it to meetings. It just evolved. And so it was a a cross-dressing culture rather than a, um, um, and it evolved for street theater for the protests, but it was very quickly daily wear. Uh, these were the radical femme acid queens of London, which fucking rules. That does rule. That's a great name. I know. They lived in communes. Some of them ran a bookstore or bookshop in the old tongue called <laughs> the Bethnal Rouge. They took over the bookstore from another anarchist place called Agitprop that had been shut down due to harassment from cops over the angry brigade stuff. I, I think they raided the place and like a bunch of people had guns and shit. Uh, so I don't want to like, <laughs> to be fair. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the Queens ran the bookstore and the coffee house and it was open most days of the week. It didn't really make much money. Radical booksellers were laid back about selling them books on credit and shit. When some homophobic kids started fucking with them from like a nearby school, they just like went into the school in mass and drag and passed out leaflets. <laughs> Wow. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. I want to read a quote about the bookshop from one of the queens, Andrew Lumsden. Quote, drapes and hangings everywhere, mattresses strewn around the floor, and various people came to live there and visit. We used to go to the local pub, which was staggered by these drag queens turning up. 
But it was a standard Cockney pub. They had a piano and they liked to have a sing song. And quite a lot of the people in the commune were very good at sing songs. So that made us reasonably popular. And we spent quite a lot of dole money on there. So that was all right. (laughs) I just, yeah, I love that the way you get accepted is just like, well, we kind of like the same shit as you. We're just also drag queens. (laughs) We were into it. We're all into it together. Yeah. And like, and also this like culture that, I don't think really exists. I don't know if it's ever existed in U.S. bar culture. I'm not sure. But U.K. bar culture, pub culture, whatever, has like has this thing of like everyone gets drunk and sings these songs together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a good place for a bunch of theater kids. <laughs> Amen. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I say we're men at the time about, about them because, yes, they were drag queens, um, but they increasingly frame themselves in ways that make sense with modern transness. And they refer to the straight gays as male oppressors. Mm-hmm. Many of them went on to transition. Others stayed gay male drag queens. What one write-up about Bethel Rouge queens, written by one of them, whose name I couldn't find, said about trying to nail down gender identity of the queens is, quote, You can try to baptize your ancestors in your image. They may refuse to stay dead and cooperative, however. It's right. like, you know, it's like, I see myself in these people in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I can't be like, oh, they're just like me. You know, it's yeah. just like. <laughs> Fair, yeah. We all have different ways of seeing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Bethel Rouge, unfortunately, in the bookshop, it died to what a lot of anarchist hippie cultures died to. Uh, more and more hard drugs came in on the scene. Ah. Um, especially, yeah, 1970 or so. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it's 1972 or three at this point. Soon, they were evicted and moved on to become East End squatters. East End squatters, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, you know, that's fine. So the GLF was destroyed from the inside by infighting, uh, but a mm. lot of good stuff came out of it. Most of the major LGBT organizations in the UK today came out of the GLF or were started by, you know, people who had been in it, including Stonewall, which is, I think, the most prominent LGBT organization. Um, And then there's also, like, Icebreakers, the Gay Switchboard, which came from the straight gays of the Office Collective, but went on to do really fucking cool and important work. I'm not trying to be like, they all sucked, you know? The Brixton Fairies, Gay Men's Press, a theater troupe called Blue Lips, Outrage, and a bunch of others. And... It was the infrastructure and camaraderie from the London GLF that laid the groundwork for AIDS activism in the UK too. So, so many parallels to the US GLF. A lot of these folks died in the 80s and 90s from AIDS. And those who survived, at least the one account I read um, from one of the queens, he doesn't carry the same kind of vitriol for the straight gays as he used to. Even the people he was like physically fighting. They were, in the end, largely on the same side. And... um, we should do more future ads. ads remember that. Future. Remember that third pandemic of the 2040s. <laughs> Woo! Uh, those were that crazy. That was the real bad one. I know. I thought that was the fifth one. Oh, it might have been. I get them all confused, but you don't have to keep them confused now that you have tricorder service that tells you when the next plague is coming, accurate to within three decimal points of accuracy a new feature for your apple watch version (laughs) 40 yeah (laughs) and if you don't like it there's no other choices there's no other choice (laughs) we've bought out every other watch company yeah (laughs) and in fact this notification can only come to watches so guess what but it's okay because it's by now it's a cooperative that all of us are members of whether you like it or not (laughs) a And here's some other ads for whatever time you're listening to. This is it. 
your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Yay. So, one of the things I'm kind of like, obviously, my own bias in terms of what I research and stuff is coming into this is, but I I didn't set out knowing this, but the GLF in the US and the UK was always trans-inclusive. Um, one of their core demands was this right to physical transition. And it's worth talking about because there are people I'm going to talk about in a little bit who are trying to write us out of gay history and trying to write us out of gay present. And trying to write us out of gay future. But like the ghost of gayness past, present, and future, these Scrooges will learn that... Anyway, um, one <laughs> member... <laughs> one member of the London branch was a guy named Peter uh, Tatchell. And he's an Australian. He'd moved to London to avoid the draft. And oh, he's, he's given a bunch funny. of... In- I know, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. He's given a number of interviews on the subject. He told Pink News, quote... In the GLF era, the word transgender with its current meaning barely existed. It was little known and rarely used. Back in those early days, gay was, for most of us, an umbrella word for all lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans people. GLF challenged gender norms and embraced all gender nonconformists. Trans people shared a defiance of gender rules and expectations alongside LGBs. 
that gave us common interest in working together for our mutual emancipation. Gay Liberation Front members supported the trans fight, including protesting at a cafe near Piccadilly Circus that refused to serve trans women. We saw trans rights as part of our struggle. Alas, not everyone in GLF embraced trans people. Some straight-acting gay male activists were lukewarm or embarrassed by them, but their reticence was not widely shared. And another quote, this one's about the U.S. GLF. This is from Leslie Feinberg, the, the writer I spotlighted earlier. Mm, yeah. Quote, While consciousness and attitudes towards transgender and transsexual activists was not uniform in GLF, the lesbian and gay front did not turn away trans people. Or, to just quote from the time, the, the Philly GLF had a newsletter come out. In August 1970, they wrote, quote, Gay Liberation Front welcomes any gay person, regardless of their sex, race, age, or social behavior. Though some gay organizations may be embarrassed by drags or transvestites, GLF believes that we should accept all our brothers and sisters unconditionally. And the Daughters of Belitis, the Assimilationist Lesbian Society, the, mm -hmm. the very first public lesbian organization in the U.S., was fucking trans-inclusive. They accepted Marsha P. Johnson, a non-passing yes. black queen from Star. Nice. Yeah. So suck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so suck it. <laughs> Which is exactly what they're... Anyway, whatever. I'm playing into their hands. Okay. <laughs> and and to, to kind of tie up with some other, some other pieces of all of this, I'm always on about how we're strongest when we're working together. Gay rights and gay liberation has been supported by communities of faith a bunch of times. Obviously, more often they've been attacked by it, right? But it's worth talking about some of the players in that and some of the things that happen in gay Christianity uh, at, the, at the time that I'm talking about. There's this guy named Troy Perry. He's a preacher. He's gay. Still alive. He was born in 1940 in Florida to bootleggers. His dad was gunned down by cops when he was a kid. Yeah, he had a, he had a fucking rough childhood. Yeah, I like cut out some of the abuse stuff because I tend not to talk about that much on my show. Not because people shouldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, no, Some, totally. Uh, he had a rough childhood. He was always yeah. interested in preaching. At 15, he was, became a Baptist preacher. At 19, he was kicked out of the Baptist church for consensually fucking an age-appropriate guy. He tried marrying a lady, but this didn't stick. Eventually, he started a congregation for gay Christians in LA, the Metropolitan Community Church, founded in 1968, uh, still around today. Hell and yeah. they've done at least as much as any other organization in the fight for the legalization of marriage, um, including being the first Christian denomination to perform weddings for gay people in the U.S. in 1968. So right off the bat, they probably kind of formed to be like, doesn't it suck that our marriages can't be sanctioned by God, even <laughs> though God obviously is no problem with us? What the fuck are people on about? Yeah, exactly. Um, and... Uh, of course, most of the gay liberation folks at the time were anti-marriage because they wanted no part of assimilating into straight culture. But honestly, a lot of the surviving GLF members are, are, are married now. And some because their politics changed, some because they wanted to publicly celebrate their love and it didn't feel like a contradiction. Also, a lot of gay folks wanted marriage because in the 1980s, a fuck ton of them were dying and marriage is one of the tools available to people to let their actual loved ones be the ones who make medical decisions instead of the bigoted, bigoted families that they fled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, whatever. I get emotional thinking about some of this shit. Troy Perry, in 1972, he wrote the book with the sick name, The Lord is My Shepherd and He Knows I'm Gay. <laughs> that rips. <laughs> yeah. 
another title phrase that rips from this series. Yeah. Sadly, the reason I bring up the MCC is to mention how much repression, violence, and bigotry the gay rights and gay liberation movement faced in the 70s, uh, lest we focus only on the kissins and parades. Um, a lot of the characters throughout this are getting attacked, right? Everywhere the MCC goes, people keep trying to burn their churches down. Often they succeed. In June 1973, um, there was a, a gay bar in New Orleans that the MCC had converted into a church or that the congregants went to drink afterwards at after after church they go to this bar depends on your source either way it's a gay bar slash church and an arsonist set fire to it and it killed 32 people oh awful yeah until the pulse until the 2016 pulse nightclub shooting this was the deadliest single attack on queer people in u.s history and there's a bunch of weird reasons why that's worth bringing up and i hate it but one of them is that like the pulse nightclub shooting was was worse in terms of number of people died. And we think back about like the past as the bad place and that we've made all this progress and we have, right? Yeah. Um, but people still hate us and we need to organize. Yeah. There's one other enemy worth talking about. Okay. The anti-trans stuff people are currently trying to do in the name of the GLF and gay people in general. Bev Jackson was one of the founders of the London chapter of the GLF. She was the only woman at the first meeting, so they put her on the steering committee to start. Um, she implies that she was like on the steering committee the whole time. But as we learned earlier, no one stayed on the for more than two months. So she's just playing that up for cred. Interesting. Unlike every other founder I've listened to an interview from, instead of going on to champion for the rights of LGBT people, she started a hate group called the LGB Alliance which is oh, an anti-trans man. advocacy group. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Come on. Um, they've got some greatest hits. <laughs> they've campaigned to make sure that conversion therapy stays legal for trans kids while opposed you know, wow. for gay kids. Yeah. Generally doing literally everything that the anti-gay world does to gay people, but specifically to trans people instead. Also, campaigning against Planned Parenthood and the ACLU for being trans accepting. Also, campaigning oh. against Pride Month. Also, Come comparing on. transsexuality to bestiality, which is, again, what anti-gay people say about gay people. The LGB Alliance spends a lot of their yes. time hanging out with conservatives. They gave a press badge to Friend of Cool Zone Media. Can you, can you think of... I'll, I'll give you a hint. Um, okay. The worst possible person to give Portland a press badge journalist to? journalist who specifically comes up a lot. Uh... uh would it happen to be? Uh, I don't know if this person is actually from Portland, but I know that mm -hmm. they were part of it. Is it? Yeah. This, is it Andy? No. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, Throw more silicone cylinders at Andy. No. Twenty twenty three. Punk ass. So that's who they invited to their to to their conference um, and guy. gave a press badge to. One of their co-founders, Malcolm Clark, was like, there shouldn't be LGBT clubs in schools because sec teachers will sexually prey on students. <laughs> Which... Gross. This isn't even the same thing people said about gay people, but uh, about trans people. He's literally uh, saying it about gay people now. <laughs> like, they're actually just an anti-gay organization. They've come out claiming that gay dance clubs spread disease. That's... They are just far right. Fear mongering nonsense. Yeah. The LGB. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then even in a country like the UK, I was like thinking about, I was like, oh, I'm going to call them a hate group. They're probably really Sue happy, but I live in the United States where we have so, better libel protections or whatever. There you go. Even in the UK where it's really easy to sue people for libel, uh-huh. people openly refer to them as a hate group. <laughs> oh, great. Well, good. If they're going to openly be a hate group, they may as well openly be referred to as one. Yeah, exactly. One Lots. more of these things. Okay. There's a group... In 2021, there was a group that called itself the New Gay Liberation Front. Fortunately, it never really got off the ground. It, I suspect it was just some turfs on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it claims to be the new GLF fighting against the new homophobia, which is, wait for it, the existence of trans people. The existence of trans people ah, is homophobia. Ah. <laughs> they consider being trans to be a form of conversion therapy. What? And they also were like, and one of the original GLF people is like on our side. And they like cite this particular guy um, who later was like, okay, you got me. I wasn't actually in the GLF. (laughs) Like, fortunately, because there's a lot of old, the GLF people are still around. The ones who made it through the 80s and shit, a lot of them are alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are not fucking putting up with this shit. Even the ones who are like, oh, like politicians and shit now, whatever. Like, they're like, no, we can't, don't fucking do this to us. So there's this guy, Mark Siegel, an original GLFer. And and he wrote, quote, about the new GLF. He wrote about, well, he's talking about the old GLF. Quote, we were the first organization that allowed each person to self-identify, not pit one identity against another. Are they the identity police? That was his response. (laughs) That's funny. That's good. So... That's the story about how wow. when we work together, realizing our struggles are united, we win. I usually don't do this, this like wrap-up thing, but I'm doing a wrap-up on this third, this three-parter. I love it. How queer people fought for straight people, straight people fought for queer people, lesbians mm-hmm. fought for gay men, gay men fought for lesbians, bisexuality was celebrated as a pure expression of queer love. Drag queens and trans people have always been part of it. How people of different faiths from secular to new age to deeply religious have supported each other, to how white queers supported black liberation, to how Puerto Rican queers were protected by Puerto Rican straight radicals, how even some Marxists and anarchists and social democrats and single issue non-ideological folks just fucking made the world better by refusing to lay down and die. And how even the assimilationists stood by the radicals when push came to shove. So thank you, Gay Liberation Front. Thank you, everyone who came before. Thanks for setting the stage. There's more fighting to do. We can do it together. Because an army of lovers cannot lose. Yay! (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. That spectacular wrap-up right there. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, I got... While I was writing this, I was just like usually when I research episodes, I kind of like have a friend or two that I like call and just like rant about everything that I'm sure, learning. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I'm just like, Oh my God, this just like when we fight, we win. And like, even by, yeah. by fighting, we are winning. And yes. So hundred percent. Yeah. It is to not back down. An army of lovers cannot be beaten. Yeah. I love that. That's really wonderful. Thanks. Do you have anything that you would like to, to, plug here at the end of all things oh geez well you know if you've stuck around for all three parts mm-hmm. you've heard me plug my twitch three times so yeah once or twice so what's one more twitch.tv slash dj underscore daniel come on by we're playing games and having fun you can you can press buttons on my stream that make weird things happen like zombies pop up and yell in my face i love a jump scare <laughs> i mean i don't but i know that you love to see me react to a jump scare so there you go um come on by it's lots of fun support margaret support 
all of the podcasts on the network. Uh, uh, subscribe to Cooler Zone Media. Go listen to podcasts in general. I love that the medium of podcasting is seen as this, like, I'll put it this way. I love that it's a trend on TikTok, despite how horrible mm-hmm. and evil TikTok is in general. But I love that it's a trend on TikTok of people making fake podcasts or just like talking to a mic as if they're on a podcast to lend credence to whatever they're saying because it doesn't mean that what they're saying is true but it means that they think appearing on a podcast is important and let me tell you folks we love that here podcasts (laughs) are important so enjoy podcasting hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah sophie what you got no daniel did it i'm good okay sorry i wasn't trying to i wasn't trying to take your bag no it's It's so perfect (laughs) And you already heard me talk about all the things and I plug my Kickstarter up at the top, but take care of each other um, and uh, de-escalate all conflict that isn't with the enemy. That's what I've got to plug. That's nice. Yeah. Less in less in fighting, more out fighting. Yeah. 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 We can we can disagree with each other. We can have people we don't want to work with, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we got we got people trying to kill us and we shouldn't let them. Amen. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.